Amen. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 7. The, um, uh, if you want to, you can also turn to Mark, chapter 11. We'll be going there afterwards. Uh, if you want to get a head start on that, that's fine. Uh, I had, um, there was a phrase that began going over and over in the inside of me uh, earlier today. And um, um, I didn't know where it was found. I knew that I'd read it before, but it wasn't something I was familiar with. It wasn't a whole scripture. It was just a part of a scripture. And, uh, and the phrase was something that really caught my attention, and I realized the Holy Ghost was directing me in, or taking me in this direction to minister on tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 7, the, the fifth chapter tells us about how that um, Solomon has finished building the temple. The sixth chapter tells us about Solomon's prayer of dedication. Chapter 7 of Second Chronicles verse 1 is what I want you to see. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, when Solomon had made an end of praying, that end of praying is the phrase that went over and over again on my heart. End of praying. Now, when Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house... They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, I want you to notice that phrase, when Solomon made an end of praying. When Solomon made an end of praying. Have you ever noticed that there's never been a time in the Scripture where somebody is praying or while somebody's praying, the answer comes? It's always after the prayer is over. You ever notice that? Now, sometimes it's immediately after the, the, after the prayer is over or ended. But God always expects us to make an end of praying. Now, turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Some verses of Scripture we're all very familiar with. I want to pick out verse 24 where, Paul, where um, Jesus is describing the prayer of faith. And notice what he said. He said, therefore, Mark chapter 11, verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I want to draw your attention to something else. Jesus never said, pray and keep on praying until you get the answer. Now there's a verse of scripture in the King James that makes it seem that way, but that's not what he's saying. But what Jesus did say is that whatever you prayed for and believed that you receive, that's the prayer that God would answer. I want to say something that may sound hard to some, but I hope you stay with me enough to at least understand what I'm getting across. And that is God is under no compulsion whatsoever by his word or any other reason. He is under no compulsion to answer any prayer that you don't make an end of. He's not under any compulsion to answer any prayer that you don't believe that you receive what you ask for when you pray. See, folks, the condition for answered prayer is to believe that you receive whatever you're praying for and whatever you're asking for when you finish your prayer. In other words, the end of your prayer, when Solomon made an end of his praying, he didn't have anything else to say. He's not asking God for anything else. He's finished his prayer. It's God's move now. But some people never make an end of their praying, so it never becomes God's move. Have you ever noticed over in Romans chapter 4 where it talks about Abraham's faith and, and tells us to be imitators of that faith? 
It does not say Abraham was strong in faith, continuing to pray. It said Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So here's a question. What's it going to take for you and I to make an end of our praying? Now, I'm not talking about an end of our prayer life. The Bible says pray without ceasing. But that doesn't mean pray about the same thing over and over again. Smith Wilkesworth used to say, concerning the prayer of faith, if you ask for any one thing seven times, you prayed six times in unbelief. Because the prayer of faith says, it's mine, I have it now. Well, if it's mine, I have it now, there's nothing else to pray about. Now, that's the prayer Jesus said would be answered. That's the prayer that Jesus said, you'll have whatever you say or have whatever you ask for. What things soever you desire. That's the one he said you get answers to. But that's the only one he said you'd get answers to. That's the only one. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 5. John said it this way. He expands on it a little bit by the Holy Ghost, but he's saying the same exact thing. 1 John chapter 5. I'll get there. I know it's in my Bible. There it is. 1 John chapter 5. Let's start in verse 13. John wrote by the Holy Ghost, These things have I written unto you that believe on the, Son, on the name of the Son of God. In other words, believers, Christians. These things have I written unto you, Christians, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not going to have, not hope for, that you may know you have eternal life. That means we're supposed to believe and understand that we have something now. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Secondly, and that you may believe on the name of the Lord, on the Son of God. Believe on the name of the Son of God. Well, we already believe on the name of the Son of God to be saved. But there must be other things we're supposed to believe on his name for. What other things are we supposed to believe in his name for? Well, he tells us. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence that God wants you to have in him today. This is the confidence God wants you to have every time you speak to him. This is the confidence God wants you to have every day of your Christian life here on the earth. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now let's take this piece by piece. How are we going to know if something is his will? That's what the word's given to us for, folks. God's word is his will. Now if God's word is his will, and it is... Remember Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That means the prayer of faith is always the prayer according to his will. Because it's always the prayer of the word. That faith that we pray with, that faith that we exercise comes from the word of God. The source of that faith is the word of God. So it has to be in line with God's will if it's his word. See how they tie together? This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's all it takes. Praying according to his will, or we'll substitute the word. Praying according to his word is all it takes for God to hear you. Look at how easy that is and how the church has messed that up and made it complicated. The only thing it takes is for you to pray God's word. Well, that means you're going to have to have a knowledge of what God's word says about your situation then, doesn't it? Because you can't pray the word if you don't know what it says. And if you don't know what the word says about your situation, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whatever it is that you're praying about. If you don't know what the word says about that, then you can't be sure that you're praying the will of God. Which is where most of the church operates. They ask for things that they want, but they don't know if it's God's will. And so they don't have the confidence that God hears them. Which means their prayers go unanswered. 
Even if they're praying for something good. Even if they're praying something according to his word. If they're, it's their lack of knowledge that it's in the will of God. Or a part of God's word. That's what keeps them from receiving. This is the confidence that we have in him. If he ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if, literally since, we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. Sky's the limit. Because we've got the word on it. We found what his word says, so we know what his will is. And if we, since we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know. Everybody say, we know. That's not hope so. That's not, you know, desire that the odds be in our favor. We know that we have the petition that we desired of him. In other words, what we asked for. We know we have what we asked for. We know we have what we asked for. Now, folks, if you ask God for something, knowing it's his will, knowing that he hears you, and knowing, therefore, that you have what you asked for, how, much, how many more times are you going to pray about that? Doesn't that put an end to our praying? Well, then I'll ask the question again. What's it going to take for us to make an end of our praying? What would it take for you to make an end of your praying about healing? Because every time, and it's so common, every time people pray again and again and again for the healing power of God in their bodies, they're saying, well, I told you, Lord, that I believe that I received it last time I prayed, but I really didn't because I'm praying again. So what does God do? God waits to see when you're going to make an end of your praying. All the time, Christians, some Christians at least, think that God's at work on their, on their case. Well, I prayed. The pastor said, if you prayed, God will work on your behalf. And all the time, they're thinking God's working on their behalf and God's waiting for you to make an end of your praying. Because, folks, I'll say it again. The only prayer that Jesus guaranteed would have an answer to is the one that ends with us believing we received what we asked for. That's the only one that the Bible guarantees God works on our behalf. You remember Jesus standing before Lazarus' tomb? It's been four days since Lazarus died. One of the sisters is trying to talk him out of uh, rolling away the stone. Master, by now he stinks. Can't have that. You remember what Jesus said? Not to her, but what he said when he stood before the tomb. He said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I thank you that you hear me always. I know that you hear me always, but for the people that are standing by, that's what I said. Folks, that's the prayer God answers. The one that we know that he's heard us. We need to take that position when we're standing before our sickness or whatever the enemy has brought against us. We need to stand there and say, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Heard's past tense. Heard means you made an end of your praying. Now, when did Jesus pray? We don't have any record of it. When did Jesus pray? It had to be sometime in between the last four days. In other words, Jesus is telling us, I've already prayed about this. No need to pray again. So what did he do? He thanked God for having heard him. Lazarus isn't isn't raised up yet. How does Jesus know that God heard him? Because he knows how God's plan and purpose and kingdom works. He knows that when you believe you receive when you pray, that's when you get the answers. And that's why he told us that's how it worked in Mark chapter 11. There's so many things that we're looking at and we're saying, well, it hadn't happened yet. 
Father, I thank you for working on it. Is that an end of our praying? That sounds to me, in most cases, that sounds to me a lot different than somebody saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It's mine by faith. Now, I don't know how this applies to you, but this is a real important issue for me because I get the same people coming up to me wanting me to pray again and again and again and again and again. And after a while, honestly, I mean, you know, you, you try to steer people in the right direction, you try to help, but after a while, you can tell you're wasting your time trying to get through, so you just pray out of kindness and, and go on. And, and that always, uh, there's something about that that scratches at me. And I always come away thinking, did I do the right thing or did I do the wrong thing? Was that the wrong thing, just trying to appease them and make them feel better and salve their feelings by praying for them? Or should I have tried one more time to try to get through to it? And I never know. The only time that I can ever try to be sure is if I try again and again and again. But typically that makes people mad after a while because they've got in their thinking and in their mind, they've got in their thinking the way that it's going to work for them. They're going to keep praying until they see an answer. Well, where did Jesus ever say that's the way prayer worked? Pray and keep on praying until you see an answer. Where's faith in that? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Well, then if you're praying until you see something, there's no association with faith in that whatsoever. Faith says, it's mine, I have it now. Faith says, God heard me when I asked, and so it's done. Faith prays one time, makes an end of the praying, and then operates like Abraham, who was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, Abraham looked at his situation and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me just like Jesus did before Lazarus. Now, if that's true, folks, if that's a Bible principle, we ought to see some evidence of it in other places. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? Turn with me over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul's in the city of Philippi. He cast the devil out of a little girl and the people that are um, uh, her slave masters throw up a ruckus about that because now the devil's cast out. She can't tell fortunes anymore and make them money. So the end result is Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. Um, Why don't we just start in verse 22? We'll get it in context. And the multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, folks, poor Paul, poor Silas. They've gone to a city that they had a vision to go to, led supernaturally, even spectacularly, into the city, got a little girl set free from the power of the devil, And the result, the reward for that, is they're beaten and thrown in jail. Now, what would you do if you were beaten and thrown in jail for following God? Well, I guess that's where we find out what we're made of, isn't it? It's one thing for us to sit back now when everything's comfortable and say, well, here's what I'd do. Well, here's what they did. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed 
and sang praises. Now, if you were in their position, what would you be praying about? There's only one thing on my mind. I'm not going to pray for the missionaries going around the world. I'm not going to pray for Sister Susie back home. I'm going to be praying about one thing and one thing only, and that is, Lord, get me out of here. You sent us here supernaturally. Get us out of here. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Notice they made an end of their praying. How do we know they made an end of their praying? Because they didn't just pray, they sang praises. What are they singing praises for? Folks are singing praises because they know that God's hearing their prayer. They know that when they pray, God hears them. They know they've been sent supernaturally, even spectacularly to this place. They were not sent to this place to get thrown in jail and be done. Beaten, thrown in jail and be done. They were sent to this place to minister Jesus and to get people saved, to turn the city around. So they know that God's not done. This is just a bump in the road. Well, what happens when we hit bumps in the road? God gets us back on track. God delivers us from whatever trouble there is if we pray in faith. If we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have what we ask for. Well, if they're asking something to be turned loose, to be set free, in line with God's will, which they know is God's will, they saw themselves coming down to Macedonia, the chief city of Macedonia, which is Philippi, and preaching to the, to the people there, not being thrown in jail. So they know the will of God is for them to go out and preach. So they're asking according to his will. Notice what they added on to their prayer. Because they made an end of their praying, they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. <coughs> Excuse me. And suddenly, and suddenly, when did it happen? Did it happen while they were praying? No, happened after they'd made an end of their praying. How do we know they made an end of their praying? Because now they're praising God. They're doing just like Abraham did when he was operating in faith. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. They're giving God glory, operating on the same kind of faith that Abraham used that the Bible tells us to imitate. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Folks, I want you to understand something. When you pray in faith, it doesn't just set you free. It sets other people free. wonder what would have happened to Paul and Silas if they hadn't made an end of their praying. wonder what would have happened to Paul and Silas if they prayed like so many Christians pray today. Lord, we're just going to pray to get out of here and we're going to keep praying until we're turned loose. There'd be a shrine in Philippi with bones hanging from chains and feet sitting in stocks. And we'd see that skeleton and have a little plaque next to it and say, here's Paul and Silas who prayed until their their flesh rotted off their bones. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Mike. I thought it was the will of God for them to be loose in the city and and preach. It would have been. It was when they were there and it would have been if they had prayed until they saw an answer. Folks, nobody gets a pass on this. It works the same way for everybody because it's the principle of the kingdom of God. Faith is the principle of the kingdom of God. And the prayer of faith, the prayer that gets answered, the prayer that the only prayer that Jesus said God is obligated to move to answer is the prayer that believes that it receives when it prays. In other words, the prayer that says amen and is done knowing that God has heard and answered that prayer. 
That's the only prayer that God is obligated to answer. That's a sneaky thing. It sneaks up on all of us. There's such a tendency to pray and pray and pray and pray and just keep talking to God and keep praying about it and say, now, Lord, I thank you for delivering me. I thank you for seeing me through this. Lord, I thank you for... But wait a minute. Faith says, I believe I received the answer. So it's a big difference in saying, Lord, I thank you for delivering me. Lord, see me through this. That's a big difference in saying, Lord, by the stripes of Jesus and according to the word of God, I'm free. There's a big difference in that. Now, in most people's thinking, there's just a small, slight difference. But that small and slight difference will be the difference between you receiving and not receiving. Faith says it's done. Faith says God heard me, so it's done. Yeah, but I don't see it done yet. That's why I have to believe it's done. Well, since I believe it's done, what do I do? I say that it's done. I don't say it's working. I don't say it's happening. I say it's done. Because faith believes it has received when it prays. Faith doesn't believe something's going to happen. Faith believes something has happened. Can you see that? Turn with me over to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Here's another example. As we said, the mouth of, in the mouth of truth or witnesses, let every word be established. This is an Old Testament principle. It works throughout the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us about Jehoshaphat. There are five enemy kings that come out against Israel. What are they going to do about this? Verse 3. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And all Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Notice they're going to pray about something. To ask help of the Lord. Well, they need it, don't they? They may need it just as real as you and I need it. But the way you ask and the way you operate is very important on whether or not you're going to get the help you need. So they gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou the God in heaven and rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the, of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? And gave it to thy seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever. And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as with the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. By the way, that's part of Solomon's prayer that, we, uh, that was in Second Chronicles chapter 20 when he dedicated the temple. That's part of what he prayed. That's part of what he declared over the temple. Now, Jehoshaphat, some years later, is saying, Lord, isn't that the dedication prayer about this place? We're following it. We're, we're fulfilling what it says. We're standing before this temple, just like Solomon said, if we do, you'd hear us and answer us. And now, Lord, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but returned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now let me ask you a question. What are they asking for? They're really not asking for deliverance. They're asking for God to judge them, judge these enemy armies. 
But what are they asking for? They're asking for direction. What do we do? We don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon thee. We have no might against this great company. We don't know what to do. They're looking for direction. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Now what's going to happen? God's going to give them direction. God's going to hear and answer their prayer. Their prayer is, we don't know what to do. We need help to know what to do. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Here's your direction. You go out. Don't worry, you won't have to fight. God's on your side. But you go out, and here's where to find them tomorrow morning. Now that they've got the answer to their prayer, the direction of what they're going to do, how are they going to respond? Well, now they know God's heard them because they have their answer. How are they going to respond when God's word gives them the answer? Now, folks, you've got the same situation where healing is concerned. You've got the same situation where finances are concerned. You've got God's word concerning your situation, no matter what it is. You've got God's word that tells you, here's God's will for you. Just like they got... They got through the prophet. We've gotten through the written word. Same exact principle. If you don't know what to do, if you're facing a problem, the devil's coming out against you in some way, and you don't know what to do, your answer is not found through the prophet. The Bible says, doesn't say as many as are led by the prophets, they're the sons of God. It says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. How does the Spirit of God lead us? Well, the first and foremost way he leads us is through the written word. Secondly, he leads us by the inward witness. But the inward witness is always in line with the written word. Isn't it? So what do we do? We find our answer from the word of God. Now concerning healing, that's especially important because Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So if you want to know how God's healing, word, how God's healing power works, the Bible's real clear. It works through the written word. Now there's a lot of people in a lot of places that want God's healing power to work uh, operate separate from or apart from his word. Oh, Pastor Mike, I don't want to learn that faith stuff. Just lay hands on me to be healed. Just pray that God will move in a supernatural way. Think about what that means. I want healing to come some way other than what God said that it comes. How is God supposed to answer that prayer? In effect, people are praying... God, violate your word and just get it to me anyway. I know uh, they may or may not know. But the word says that you sent your word and healed us. But I don't want it that way, so you do it some other way. Good luck with that. There are some rare occasions when God will work by the Holy Ghost apart from his word. But those are few and far between, and you never know when they're going to happen. Unfortunately, on the, the rare occasions where they have happened, people have made doctrines out of it. 
They've told their experience and other, person, other people have tried to live off that experience. Well, I know my Aunt Susie. She didn't believe anything. She just prayed and woke up the next morning and was completely healed. Well, how do you explain that? Well, that's just the mercy of God. Thank God for his mercy. But you can't get a guarantee. There's no place that Jesus said that would work every time. But he did say the prayer of faith will work every time. Another thing regarding the word of God is the Bible says in James 5.15, it says the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. But faith has to be based on the word. Romans 10.17 again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if it's the prayer of faith, it's the prayer of the word that heals the sick. Well, I don't want that word stuff. I don't want to listen to the word. I just want to pray and have God do it. Good luck. That's not a guarantee for success. But there is a guarantee for success. And that is when we get the word of God on the subject, if we act on it, receive it and accept it as true and act on it, we'll get the answer every time. Now, that's what they're going to do here. Their answer is the word of God for them. They don't have the written word like we do concerning their situation. But what they get is they get the word of God through the prophet. And the prophet says, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Go out against them tomorrow by the cliff of Ziz. So what are they going to do? Well, morning comes. I doubt very seriously if they feel excited and charged up the next morning as they did yesterday evening when the word of the Lord came. The Spirit of God may not be in manifestation in the same way. We may not have goosebumps like we had yesterday afternoon. What are we going to do now? What if they woke up feeling sick? What if they tossed and turned all night knowing that they had a real battle, a real fight coming up next morning? Yeah, but God said he'd fight for us. Yeah, but we still have to go out against them. There's any number of things that could have taken place naturally, folks. But notice it says, verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. That means have faith in. Believe in the Lord your God, so you shall be established. Believe his prophets that delivered the word. So shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Sounds like Paul and Silas. At midnight, they prayed and sang praises. They knew what the will of God was. They didn't have to have a prophet speak to them. They were prophets. They knew what the will of God was. They knew what the plan of God for their life was. So they just acted on what they knew and sang praises, expecting God's power to work and deliver them. He appointed, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. That means in front of the army. Well, if you're not going to have to fight, the army's no big deal to have in front, is it? Now, if they hadn't had that word from the Lord, they might wanted to rearrange the order here. But they already knew. When he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing into praise, please notice verse 22, when, it's time. And when they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Tells about how one group started fighting another group till everybody's dead. Now, when did the, God, the power of God to deliver begin to operate? When they began to sing into praise. Not yesterday afternoon when they began to pray. No, they made an end of their praying 
looking for God's direction. Once they got the word on it, it was their action on the word of God that brought about the results. Now, in Paul and Silas' case, they knew what the word of God and the will of God was for them anyway. The word of God was go over to Philippi and preach in the chief city of Macedonia. They didn't have to have any direction. They knew the plan of God for them. So they just started off praying what they knew what the plan of God was for them to be free so that they can bring the gospel to that city. And they began to sing praises unto God. They began to sing because God's greater than anything else. God's power is greater than the the governmental powers. God's power and God's strength is greater than the chains and the fetters that were on their feet, stocks and the bonds and so forth. What about you? You've got the word of God that says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. What do we agonize over? What do we take the doctor's report and weigh that against the word and say, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? My goodness gracious, what are we going to do? The doctor says it's really bad. Why do we agonize over that? Because we haven't meditated in the truth of God's word. We haven't accepted the word of God. Oh, we believe in Jesus. Yes, Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said, the one that loves me is the one that keeps my word. Well, we better pray. I know. Let's get on everybody's prayer chain. Let's see how many people we can get praying. Why does the church think that the number of people praying is the thing that makes the difference when Jesus said the thing that makes the difference is to believe that you receive when you pray? Nowhere does Jesus say, or or anybody else in the Bible for that matter, nowhere does it say, get all the people you can praying and that'll work. Where did the church come up with that? Oh, I've got thousands of people around the country. Thousands of people praying for me. I put it on Facebook and they got all my friends to share it. It's gone everywhere. And? Show me anything in the scripture that says that works. Show me. You can't find it. But I can show you something that will work. Jesus said, if he knew what he was talking about, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And you shall have them. And you shall have them. That's the only prayer that you can ever find in any verse of Scripture in any manner whatsoever that God obligates himself to answer. The only one. And even though the prayer of faith is not applicable in every situation... For example, I can't pray the prayer of faith for you because you might be wanting something other than what I want for you. The prayer of faith doesn't apply in every situation and there are seven different kinds of prayer identified in the New Testament. Even though every prayer is not the prayer of faith, you can pray every prayer in faith. Are you out there? And Solomon made an end of praying and the fire fell. Solomon made an end of praying and the fire fell. When Paul and Silas prayed at midnight and sang praises unto God, the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was an earthquake. Concerning Jehoshaphat, and when they began to sing the praise, the Lord said ambushments. That sounds like Abraham. That sounds exactly like Abraham's faith in every case. Abraham was strong in faith, not by continuing to pray. Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What's he giving glory to God for? Because he's got the word of God in his situation. 
Abraham was facing a situation when he was 99 years old, too old to have children. The physical circumstances of his body and his wife's body were such that it was impossible for them to have children. So he asked the question. He said, am I going to have a child at this age? And is Sarah at almost 90 years old? Is she going to give birth? It's a question in Genesis 17, 17. God answers in Genesis 17, verse 19. He said, Sarah shall truly have a child. Surely Sarah, Sarah shall give birth. In other words, God gave him his word as a definitive answer. Once, he, once Abraham has that definitive answer, that definitive answer is just as definitive as Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you're healed. Once you have that definitive answer from God, it's up to you on whether or not you accept it. It's up to you on how you act on it. How did Abraham act on it? What did Abraham do? The Bible says that Abraham was strong in faith. How do we know? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Actually, another translation says that a little better in my thinking. It says in becoming fully persuaded. Abraham didn't start off being fully persuaded. How did he become fully persuaded? He gave God glory. He chose to accept what God's word says. Sarah shall truly have a son. And he began to glorify God for the answer. The more he glorified God for the answer, the bigger and bigger and bigger it got on the inside of him. And before long, he was fully persuaded that God could do what he promised. Now, if Abraham had started looking for God to do something rather than accept what God said was true, he never would have come to the place where he was fully persuaded. He would have always been looking down the road and always looking to the future. Well, God, I hope you're going to do something today. I don't feel any stronger today than I did yesterday. My wife doesn't look any better than she did yesterday. But I hope some way or somehow you're working. He never would have become fully persuaded. But what did he do? He gave God glory. He was strong in faith by giving glory to God. He said, thank you, Father, that Sarah shall truly have a child. Thank you, Father, that the son, you have already made me the father of many nations. The son is ours already by faith. And then he started thinking. Every time he'd say that, every time he'd glorify God about it, he'd start thinking, how hard is it for God to give us a child? I've already seen him do miraculous things. He enabled the servants of my house to defeat five enemy kings. He prospered me above anybody and everybody else in the land, and I started with nothing. Is that any harder or less hard? Is there any difference in any of those things in him making our bodies work? The more he glorified God, the more fully persuaded he became. The more and more and more he was persuaded. But see, so many times, people won't accept the word of God to be true. Oh, they know there's something in the Bible about healing. They know that if we'll pray, then somehow or another God's supposed to come through. But they don't stop and take the time to say, wait a minute, what does the Bible say? What does the unchanging, infallible word of God declare? What is the definitive answer in my situation? Well, if it's healing, the definitive answer is Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes, you were healed. That's the definitive answer. If you were healed, there's no healing to come. There's a healing that took place that you have the opportunity to believe you receive. That's it. Or you can reject it totally. But that's your choice. Your choice is not whether or not God's going to do something. Your choice is, is it true that Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses? The choice is not, is God going to deliver me? The choice is, Do I believe it's true that Jesus already did the work? 
One way brings result. The other way keeps you looking down the road for something that never comes. I think spiritually people are like the, prodigal, uh, the father of the prodigal son that's looking down the road every day waiting for his son to come home. The only problem is since they're not operating in faith, there's no son to come. They look down a road day after day after day waiting for God to do something that the Bible says Jesus already took care of. They're looking down the wrong road. Abraham made an end to his praying. What made an end to Abraham's prayer? Well, the thing that made an end to Abraham's prayer is when God said, Sarah shall truly have a son. That was the answer to his question. His question was, is it possible for Sarah to have a child at her age? Is it possible for me, 10 years older than she is, to have a child, to give birth to a child? To impregnate my wife? Are we going to have a child? And then he goes on in the next verse. That's Genesis 17, 17, verse 18. He goes on and says, just let Ishmael live before you. We can see where his faith is. He's thinking it's impossible. And God says, well, I will bless Ishmael, but Sarah shall indeed have a son. Sarah shall indeed have a son. God gave him a definitive answer. He answered his question. Sarah shall indeed have a son. Whoa. Now, we can think of a thousand things in our situation where we'd think, well, I've got more questions in. How's that going to work? When? Is there a set time for that? What about this? We can think of a thousand things to ask after the fact. But the Bible gives us record of one definitive statement. Sarah shall indeed have a son. Now, that does away with the impossibility idea. God says it's going to happen. God does not say... Well, I planned for Sarah to have a son, but how old is she? And I thought she was in her 80s. I didn't realize we'd crossed the threshold. I didn't realize her time, her clock had ticked. God's definitive answer does away with any of the impossibilities. Sarah shall indeed have a son. How is that more definitive than the answer God gives you in your situation? How's that more definitive than about what the Bible says about healing? Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. How is Abraham's information more definitive than yours? How is Jehoshaphat's information through the prophet more definitive than ours? How is Paul and Silas's knowledge of God's will for them more definitive than our knowledge of God's will for us through his word? It's not. When Solomon made an end of praying, the fire fell. I'm convinced, folks, if we'd make an end of our prayers about our situation and just accept it to be true and do like Abraham did, choose to be strong in faith, giving glory to God, we'd see a lot of, a lot of changes. We'd see a lot of things operate differently. And in each case, you see the same thing. You see people glorifying God beforehand. Jehoshaphat's story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 tells us how it works. When they began to sing to praise, the Lord set ambushments. When Abraham gave glory to God, God changed their bodies. When Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, there was an earthquake and everybody's chains fell off. Everybody's prison doors opened. Over and over and over again, folks, we see the answer. When you praise God up front because you believe His Word's true, you believe you receive according to His Word, when you pray... Time after time after time, the Bible shows us when you glorify God before you see the answer, it brings the answer in. 
Now, where is continuing to pray in any of that? It's not there. It's not compatible with it. It's not compatible with glorifying God for the answer. When Solomon made an end of praying, the fire fell. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We declare that your word is true in our lives. Thank you, Father, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never fail. Forever, O Lord, your word is established or settled in heaven. We thank you, therefore, Father, that because we believe that we receive the healing power of God, the healing work of Jesus on our behalf, for he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. Because we accept that to be true, Father, we thank you that the healing power of God works in us as we glorify you. We refuse to pray about it anymore, Father. We refuse to look at our circumstances. We refuse to look at our bodies. We refuse to look at the things that the enemy would distract us and try to direct us toward. Instead, we glorify you. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's so good to be healed. Thank you for your healing mercy. It's so good to be healed. We're not looking to be healed someday. We thank you that we are already healed now by faith. We believe that we receive our healing in the name of Jesus. We make an end of our praying. And therefore, we make a beginning of our glorifying God for the answer. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we are delivered. We thank you that we are set free. We thank you that we are healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you, Father, and we glorify you for whatever changes need to be made, for whatever supernatural works need to occur. That's not our business. That's, that's you and your business. We just thank you that it's done by faith in Jesus' name. We refuse to think otherwise. We refuse to speak otherwise. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. Even as Abraham did, we choose to be strong in faith, giving God glory. We give you glory for our healing. We give you glory for healing our bodies, Father, through the work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what our circumstances say, we declare we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We magnify you for your goodness. You didn't have to do that through the work of Jesus, Lord, but you chose to. You didn't have to set us free from sickness, but because of your goodness and your mercy, you made it so. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We believe we receive our healing. In Jesus' name. We thank you for your goodness to heal. Thank you that you sent your son to take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we were healed. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It is so good to be healed. It's so good to know your word is settled. So good to know that Jesus took our sicknesses. Thank you, Lord. What he bore, we need not bear. What he took, we need not take. Therefore, we're free from every sickness and every disease, from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your healing mercy through the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you that it's done. 
In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. We worship you, Father. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We are fully persuaded that you are able to, to do that which you promised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We worship you, Father. We declare that we're not under the curse because Jesus set us free. Blessed be the name, the name, the name of Jesus. We worship you, Father. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy to heal, that it's already done. We receive it by faith. It's done. And we thank you for it, Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. Thank you, Lord, that we're healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing mercy through the shed blood of Jesus. Blessed be the name, the name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Start worshiping God and it brings in the presence of God in our midst. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Blessed be the name. The name. The name, the name, the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness, for your love, for your willingness to die for us, to shed your blood, to take stripes upon your back, that we might walk in divine health. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you've redeemed our life from destruction. You have redeemed our lives from destruction. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed, blessed, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Hallelujah. 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 Showers of rain. Showers of rain. In Jesus' name. Showers of rain. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. The name, the name, the name. The name, the name, the name, the name, the name. The name of Jesus. The name. The name of Jesus. The name. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name. The name of Jesus. The name, the name, the name. Hallelujah. 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 Well, we've been praying for the rain. It's beginning. It's beginning. Showers of rain. The presence of God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Hallelujah. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the presence of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the rain. Thank God for healing mercy. Healing will flow like a river in this place. And salvation shall rise as the tide. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.